Now tonight, as last night and the night before, there will be two talks. On Monday evening, I spoke about the sacrament of penance. And last night, I talked about the Eucharist, which is a sacrament that is a sacrifice. And today, marriage. The Catholic Church teaches that marriage is a natural institution. Anything that is a natural institution owes its existence to God, the author of nature. The essence of, <clears throat> the essence of marriage is the exchange of vows between one man and one woman by which they get and they give mutual and exclusive rights to each other's bodies for actions suitable for procreation. If we think about this for a minute, we recognize most important truths that are contradicted by this rampant secular society in which we live. Marriage is something holy, established by God himself. It is between one man and one woman. It is unthinkable that marriage be between two men or between two women, for such is an impossibility, since the purpose of marriage is the procreation and the education of children. The church teaches that when a man and woman marry, They exchange mutual vows. And by these mutual vows, they give and acquire rights to each other's bodies. Up until that time, no one has any right to sexual intercourse, to sexual relations. This right comes at the time of marriage. We know that this teaching of the Catholic Church is assaulted every day on television. Those who manipulate our culture hammer across the idea that there is no difference between those who are married and those who are not with regard to sexual intercourse. Now the right that is conferred at the time of marriage is mutual and exclusive. It is between that man and that woman and no one else. And so you can see that not only is fornication forbidden by the natural law of Almighty God, but also adultery. Now this natural institution of marriage 
has been raised to the dignity of a sacrament by Christ our divine Savior. In fact, of all the seven sacraments, the only one mentioned as such in Scripture is the sacrament of marriage. In the fifth chapter of his letter to the Ephesians, St. Paul, speaking about marriage, indicates that it is a great mysterion, mystery. The Greek word, which is translated by sacrament in Latin. And he says, it is a great mystery, for it refers in the first place to the union of Christ and his church. Every Catholic married couple, by their marriage, signifies the union of Christ and his church. In marriage, in the Roman rite, the ones who minister the sacrament are the bride and the groom. The priest is the ordinary minister of baptism. In case of an emergency, anyone may and should baptize. The priest or the bishop is the minister of confession, of the anointing of the sick. The bishop is the ordinary minister of confirmation, but the priest is the extraordinary minister. Ordination is the exclusive right of a bishop. But in marriage, it is the bride and the groom that confer upon each other the sacrament. The priest is there because he is the official witness of the Catholic Church. And so important is his presence that if it is lacking, the church, unless a dispensation has been granted, will not recognize the validity of the marriage. It is because the man and woman who are exchanging marital rights are baptized that marriage is raised to the dignity of a sacrament. This presents a pastoral problem, not yours, but priests. We know that there are many Protestant people who are baptized. They don't believe in the sacrament of matrimony. Does that mean that when they exchange vows, they do not confer upon each other that sacrament? Of course not. So if two Protestant people who are both baptized, exchange vows before a Protestant minister or before a justice of the peace, it doesn't matter because they're the ones who are ministering the sacrament. If they were to separate, remarry, and subsequently attempt to become Catholic, there would be a problem because that first marriage is a sacramental marriage. 
One, that the church has no power to rescind, to overcome. Marriage has been raised to the dignity of the sacrament. It is found in the scriptures. In fact, it's the only one of the seven sacraments mentioned. Those who confer the sacrament, those who administer the sacrament, are the man and woman being married. The great St. Augustine pointed out that there are three goods of marriage. The good of the child, the good of fidelity, and the good of the sacrament. All of these goods are attacked. We know that the Obergefell decision attacked the very basis of marriage as between one man and one woman. For the Supreme Court, in its great wisdom, in its rebellion against the law of God, recognized a union of two men or of two women. Such a union is sterile. It merely promotes sexual pleasure. It has no procreative purpose, nor can those entering such a union pretend that it has such. Incident. The name Sigmund Freud probably means something to all of you. He was not a friend of the Catholic Church, but he did recognize that the root of perversity was the separation of the procreative act from the pleasurable act of sexual intercourse. The good of the child is violated by contraception and by abortion. It may come as a revelation to many of you who are of the younger crowd to be told that all of the Protestant bodies in the United States up until the year 1930 were in agreement with the Catholic Church in prohibiting contraception. We can pause. They all folded. Catholic Church never does. Why? Does that mean that the bishops of the Catholic Church are more courageous? Ain't necessarily so. But it does mean that they have to be faithful if they are to remain Catholic to the teaching of Christ himself. In 1930, the Anglicans in England at a conference in Lambeth, departed from the prohibition against contraception and allowed this in certain cases for those who were married. Shortly afterwards, Pope Pius XI wrote his celebrated encyclical, 
Kasti Kenubi, which can be translated into English as chaste spouses, but usually it goes by that Latin title. Now in this document, the Holy Father exposed all kinds of modern errors against marriage itself. He listed among those feminism, which has come to full flower in our own day. At any rate, speaking on the top topic of contraception, he pointed out any use of the generative faculty which robs it of its natural power to generate a new human being is a violation of nature's law and of God's law. And those who indulge in such a practice are branded with a grave crime. That was 1930. During the 40s and in the 50s, polls were taken, which indicated that those Catholics who nevertheless contracepted were in a minority. Today, they are the majority. The same pontiff wrote another encyclical in the year 1925, Quas Primas, proclaiming the kingship of Christ. And in it, he lamented, evil has spread because men have abandoned Jesus Christ and his most holy law from their lives, from their families, and from their nations. There will not, the sovereign pontiff continued, be any peace among men unless they freely submit to the sweet yoke of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The same encyclical Kasti Kenubi spoke about abortion. Abortion has surfaced in our day and age. Here in the United States, a woman can have an abortion from the first moment of conception until natural birth. Thanks be to God, as a result of pro-activity, pro-life activity, led by faithful Catholic people, the tide of opinion has now swung. Most people realize there should be some restriction on abortion, that it is wrong. And now a new man entering the White House, not a Catholic, one who supported abortion, says that he will select only pro-life justices to the Supreme Court. Things have changed. Thanks be to God.
to get back to that encyclical. The Holy Father, when he spoke about abortion, pointed out that it is the duty of magistrates to protect the lives of the innocents, and that all the more so since those whose lives are attacked and assailed can in no way defend themselves, among whom we must mention in the first place infants hidden in the womb. But if the magistrates not only do not defend the unborn, but betray them to death at the hands of doctors or of others, let them know that God is the just judge and avenger of innocent blood which cries from earth to heaven. Two great attacks against the good of the child, contraception and abortion. There is, secondly, the good of fidelity. A man and woman who exchange vows give and receive mutual and exclusive rights to each other's bodies. No one else's. This exclusive right is violated by infidelity. Thirdly, the good of the sacrament. The man and the woman who are joined in holy matrimony represent the union of Christ and his church. Christ loved his church. For her sake, he suffered and died. He will never separate himself from her, for he will be with her for all time. Consequently, it is a grave violation of the sacrament for people who married, who protested that they were going to live together until death should they part, to abandon one another, and to seek someone else. For this is a betrayal of Christ, an offense of the sacrament. Today, married people are under attack. We see that in the Obergefell decision. Supreme Court justices of the United States maintaining in opposition to Almighty God who said, a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And our divine Lord who said, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. The Supreme Court will allow people to abandon their vows. It will even claim that marriage does not have as its purpose the procreation and education of children. And consequently, two men or two women can exchange some kind of vows. 
We know, of course, that the Supreme Court sanctions contraception and abortion. It cares nothing, of course, for fidelity in marriage or for the good of the sacrament. And consequently, people who marry must have a very strong prayer life. They are representing the union of Christ and his church. And they should receive support, not only from their Catholic parish, but also from other like-minded people. In unity, there is strength. Some years ago, a religious nun at Catholic University did a thesis for the sociology department in which she contrasted those people who divorce and contracept with those people who do not contracept, married people. And she found that the incidence of marital breakup among people who do not contracept is infinitesimally small by our standards, less than 5%. If you wish to be happy, you must follow the will of Almighty God. It is a betrayal for men to violate the law of God and to teach others to do so by promoting abortion, so-called same-sex marriage, contraception. For all of these things jeopardize our eternal salvation. And second, they make life in this world miserable. God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.